Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we have a rather sad episode, at least for those of you that have been following personality-based video game review content. And of course, I'm talking today about really one of the progenitors of the entire genre of this type of content, Giant Bomb, who earlier today revealed that a number of their primary content contributors is actually going to be leaving the company. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that. First, I wanted to give a little story because I've talked about where virtual legality has come from in a number of cases, and it relies on a whole host of things that happened in 2018. But one of those was a couple of years before that, actually, when I found Giant Bomb, wasn't really familiar with the guys other than seeing their names at GameSpot when they worked there and found myself needing to train for a long run. Don't give me too much credit. It was taking me a very long time to do that run, and so I needed a lot of content that would, my apologies, Giant Bomb and everyone else affected, be a little bit mindless as I slowly lost my mind training for this run on a treadmill in the winter inside in Michigan. And lo and behold, I found myself getting a trial to Giant Bomb and really enjoying that kind of content in a way that I hadn't anticipated. It was, in fact, that enjoyment that led me from going from Giant Bomb over to the Easy Allies, where I know a number of you who follow virtual legality found me, where I sponsored the Easy Allies uh, for the better part of a few years uh, and was very happy to do so as those gentlemen talked about video games in a way I very much enjoyed and continue to do so even now, even though they don't take Patreon sponsorships any longer. So with that as background, it was today announced on Reset Era that's watching the Bombcast, their podcast they put out uh, every week, that it was announced that Vinny Caravella, Alex Navarro, and Brad Shoemaker will be leaving Giant Bomb. And that's a big bit of news. If you don't have any familiarity with their podcast, these are three big names that are very much associated with the brand. Really, some of the biggest names outside of Jeff Gersman, who has said that he will be staying at Giant Bomb throughout this process, or as he said in this tweet, we'll have some stuff to say about where Giant Bomb goes from here a little later this week or next. Kind of a lot going on over here right now. And so I looked at this and I said, that is pretty odd. And having worked in commercial transactions as a corporate mergers and acquisitions lawyer for a long time, I looked at that and said, hmm, when three people announce that they're leaving simultaneously at the top of a month, That rings bells. That raises red flags for me that something contractual might be at issue. And this video is mostly speculative based on these kinds of things, but it's still a useful thought experiment for when you are thinking about announcements like this one. Or as I tweeted, yeah, that sure looks like a six-month key employee service requirement slash bonus concept attached to the sale of the CNET group to Red Ventures on October 30th, 2020. To which a number of people properly asked me, what? What do you mean by that? What does all that mean? So let's talk about that as part of this video. So in order to tell this story, we have to look at what happened late last year. Here is a Game Industry Biz article entitled Viacom CBS is selling the CNET Media Group to digital marketing company Red Ventures. You can see the date here is September 14th, 2020. The article says the digital media and marketing company Red Ventures is going to purchase this group for a total of $500 million and that the media group includes gaming outlets, GameSpot, and Giant Bomb, of course, at issue today. Now, shortly after this announcement in September, we started to get articles like this one over at Gamasutra, who said unknown number of layoffs at GameSpot following Red Ventures deal on October 9th, 2020. Now, 
actually, this is a little premature. Red Ventures at this point in time on October 9th, 2020, doesn't yet own the CNET group. So what we're looking at when they have an article like this that says a number of GameSpot employees have been laid off following its acquisition by Red Ventures is actually preparation for Red Ventures purchase because their purchase didn't happen as they announced in their own press release until October 30th of 2020. Red Ventures doesn't own the CNET media group until October 30th, 2020. Now, if you do the math at home, you can see that exactly six months after the closing of this purchase was April 30th, 2020. And the first bombcast to take place after that April 30th, 2020 date was in fact this one on May 4th of 2021. So in talking about this, when I put out a tweet like this, I say, well, okay, so if it's exactly six months later, that should raise those flags and ring those alarm bells because what happens when you buy a company? Well, one, as you're in the process of buying that company from when you announce it in September to when you actually finalize it in late October, you are evaluating what employees you're going to keep. And this is all part of that transaction process. You are also determining of those employees that you're going to keep, how are you going to contract them? How are you going to incentivize them to stay if you really like them? What does that look like for what we might call key employees? And having that discussion internally and with your sales partner, in this case, Viacom. Now, I also wanted to note here as Viacom announced in their own SEC filings and all of the materials we're going to look at for the rest of this video are publicly available. SEC filings, Bar Association. I am not revealing my personal client contacts, information, or agreements. So just understand that if you're checking out this video from the side that looks at my bar licensing. They said in 2020, we completed the sale of CMG, it's the CNET Media Group, to Red Ventures for $484 million, including an estimated working capital adjustment. Now, just in terms of reading one of these kinds of things, that means that when CNET turned over its assets to Red Ventures, they were $16 million short for what the two parties had agreed would be the cash position that they handed over the group. They were probably having a little bit of trouble operationally to have such a shortfall on a deal like this. We don't know. It's all speculation. But what we do know is that it was $16 million short if, as Red Ventures announces here, and they wouldn't really lie about something like this, they bought the company for $500 million. Also worth noting, however, is that it wasn't all in cash. The purchase price consisted of a cash payment at closing of $459 million and a credit of $25 million to be used over five years for the purchase of advertising and data from Red Ventures. So Red Ventures owns the CNET Media Group and was able to pay for $25 million of this acquisition by telling Viacom that they could get advertising on their sites or that they could otherwise license data from those sites up to the value of that $25 million. So when we talk about things like contracts, as we did when we were talking about the purported agreement between Sony and Capcom for Resident Evil Village and things like that, that said, hey, we're not giving you cash money, we're giving you $5 million of marketing, that kind of thing can happen even in the case of a $500 million deal. Now, what else happens in a deal when you're acquiring a company? Well, I've pulled up a term sheet from SEC and Edgar that talks about one of the things you're worried about if you're a buyer. Here is a term that they're going to negotiate as part of definitive documents that says, for a period of three years from the date of closing of this transaction, Mr. Brian Shapiro, who we don't know, but is part of the selling company here, agrees to continue in his existing role in running the operations of the company pursuant to a mutually acceptable management or employment agreement. Why is this important? Well, 
When you're buying a company, especially when we think about a media company, right? You aren't buying a factory. You aren't buying something that makes ball bearings or other forms of widgets. You're buying the people. And at least in America, we don't have slavery under contractual terms. So you have to make sure when you buy something for $500 million that the people you think are coming with that deal are somehow going to stay for at least a certain period of time. In this case, Mr. Brian Shapiro of this particular company was very important to the buyer. They wanted to make sure he was going to stay on with the company for three years. That's what their $25 million was buying. And you can see a term like this in all sorts of documents. Now, this is a huge, huge deal, right? $500 million. It's a multimedia purchase of multiple brands, multiple websites coming over. But when you do this, when you're doing your due diligence, if you're at Red Ventures and you're going to spend this money, you're going to evaluate who's going to stay on, who's not going to stay on. You're going to have certain people be told that you're not going to make the transition, which will be reported a little bit earlier than the acquisition actually closed as being laid off following the acquisition, because honestly, it makes no difference to the employees who are unfortunately affected by something like this. But you're going to do it as part of the process, right? When you look at an asset purchase agreement, you see things like this throughout. Here's the recitals to one, again, from the SEC, whereas as a condition and inducement to buyer to enter into this agreement to give us money for our company, each key employee, as defined below, which is going to be a list of employees we're going to put on a schedule, we're going to attach to this agreement, and these are the people that are really important, or else this deal isn't going through, will execute and deliver an employment agreement with buyer in the form attached hereto as Exhibit A. It'll have the terms we want to offer, including potentially a length of time that they have to be with the company. Because buying a company that is based around the value provided by its personnel doesn't make sense if you spend $500 million and they all leave on the second day. Again, you're not buying real property. You're not buying buildings. You're not buying equipment. So you have to have a certain amount of due diligence to protect these kinds of things. Now, this can look pretty simple in practice. Here's a different asset purchase agreement. Buyer shall offer at-will employment effective as of and subject to the closing to substantially all employees of seller who are known by buyer to be employed by seller immediately prior to the closing. And seller and shareholders shall use their best efforts to get the applicable employees to accept such offer. This is the simplest way of writing something like this. All right, I'm buying your assets and we're going to offer employment that's going to be on basically the same terms to everybody because we're actually going to be changing companies. And you, seller, are going to do your best to make sure everybody comes over. But doing your best doesn't require that everyone comes over versus when we look at a recital like this, you need to make sure that you've got everybody on this key employee schedule signed up to this agreement or I am not buying your company. Or you can write it a little bit more long form and say, hey, we're going to give offer letters. You're going to tell us what the compensation is. We're going to get consent to move personnel files. We're going to write it in a much more I's dotted and T's crossed way. You can see there's a lot of variability for writing any one of these types of agreements. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if you've got people that you want to make sure are going to stay at your new enterprise, chances are you're going to either sign them up to a term agreement of some kind where it's going to be a document that says it's not at will. You're actually going to promise to stay with us for three years or 18 months or 12 months or six months, or perhaps a little bit better than the kind of stick of you're going to be trapped here is the carrot of a retention bonus. And that looks a little bit like this again from the SEC website, subject to satisfaction of the conditions set forth below. Primarily, you're not going to be in breach of your agreement. You're going to do what your job entails, et cetera, et cetera. You will be paid a retention bonus in the amount of X dollars payable in a lump sum within 30 days following the earlier of, in this particular case, March 31st, 2019, or a change in control if we sell the company again. 
as defined in your stock option grant letter, which is associated in some other capacity and doesn't relate to this particular issue. But in terms of corporate transactions, the buyer wants to make sure that certain of its assets are staying with the company. And you could write this to say, okay, if you stay with the company for, oh, I don't know, let's say six months, you get $50,000 or whatever amount of money makes sense based on leverage, based on your current salary, whatever it might be. And when you've got a document like that, if you've ever worked at a corporation or another company, and you've got a bonus period that you're going to hit, that immediately after that is when people start to say, okay, I've gotten the money I was going to get. I've gotten the contract I was going to get. And then maybe I start evaluating things a little bit more. And so if you're Vinny Caravella, Alex Navarro, and Brad Shoemaker, and you do have a six-month retention bonus or term that was associated with the purchase of your parent company on October 30th of 2020, the first time you start to really think about potentially leaving is probably on April 30th, 2021. And if you have been thinking about leaving and you're going to announce it, you might announce it in the immediate window following that. Said another way, let's say you're one of these gentlemen and you don't want to work for Red Ventures. It wasn't up to you. You don't own Viacom. You don't own the CNET Media Group. It gets moved around without your say-so. You go and you meet with your new bosses and it's just not a great fit. Regardless of whether Red Ventures is the best people in the world, I don't know them from Adam, sometimes it's just not a great fit. But You've agreed to kind of sign up to this to make sure that the deal goes through. Red Ventures wants you to have maybe a certain amount of retention bonus, a certain period of time where they can try to convince you that this is going to work out. This is going to be a good idea and that each party can kind of get to know each other a little bit better. And so you've got this document. And even if you want to leave, you say, well, I'll go earn my bonus or I'll go not breach my contract if I've got some kind of term requirement. And we'll talk about leaving after that window is done. If that were in fact the case, and again, this video is entirely speculative, it would look exactly like this. May 4th, 2021, four days after the close of a six-month window after the transaction was consummated, you have announcements of major players at one of the media brands that you purchased saying, okay, we're done. We're not interested in working for Red Ventures. We're going to do our own thing, maybe together, maybe apart. And it wouldn't have to apply to all three of them. If one of them had this kind of bonus and otherwise wanted to have cover and the others were thinking about leaving anyway, you might join up with your friends to say, we're going to announce this all together so that there isn't a significant amount of heat on any one of us and that you can still collect your bonus or not breach your contract, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's what this would look like. Now, some of you might point out, if you're big fans of Giant Bomb, that people left after the Red Ventures deal. The following October, after Red Ventures announced that it was acquiring the CNET Media Group, Abby Russell announced that she would be departing the site at the end of November 2020. In January of 2021, Ben Pack announced he would be leaving the site after the Game of the Year discussions concluded later that month. Those all would have been in a six-month window. But as you can see from the documents that we've already looked at, not everybody actually has to sign up to one of these. It really depends on leverage. It depends on what the buyer is looking for. One of the things that, of course, came out today is that Jeff is staying on. Jeff might have a completely different arrangement, might be worth more money. He might just want to collect the brand and be able to try to rebuild it. He might not have the same kind of problems with Red Ventures as his other colleagues did. You don't know. That's more speculative than I'm willing to go. But actually looking at this and having all three people announce on the same day at the same time speaks to me of a number of possibilities. One, they want to go out and do something together. Two, they want to give cover to one or more of them that otherwise didn't want to take heat by just going off alone. And three, that there probably, or at least could have been, 
a contractual arrangement that would have led to this that maybe didn't apply or didn't apply on the same time frame to Abby Russell or Ben Pack. So when I go out there and I say something like this, yeah, sure looks like a six-month key employee service requirement slash bonus concept. What I'm basically saying is whenever you've got this kind of simultaneity of departure of major figures, this isn't the kind of lower ranks of Giant Bomb or some of the people that have moved in and out. These are major figures that have been with that particular company and brand for a long, long time. And you can go and you can calculate out to some kind of round number, one, three, six, 12, 18, 24 months. And one of these kinds of round numbers, and you can look at it and you can say, yep, that's exactly six months after this kind of deal was consummated. Then you can start to look at this and say, yep, that's a possibility. And if it is a possibility, you can't really blame anybody. I've known people throughout my entire career that have said, I'm waiting for my bonus and then I'm quitting or transferring or doing whatever. You set those dates at the company level or at the purchaser level in this case to make sure you get a certain amount of work product from your people. But human beings are human beings. Everybody understands incentives. And when that particular bonus accrues or when my term is up for the contract that I entered into in order to make sure that this deal went through is over, that's when you have people evaluating their position. And if somebody didn't like the new bosses or just didn't want to explore a relationship with the new bosses, that might be the time when they move on. Or as I said to someone that asked me to explain it like I'm five, on the sale of a company, buyers can ask for or incentivize key players to stay on for some period as part of the deal. After all, as we've talked about in this video, media companies are their people. They don't really have hard assets. This would be the first window after six months has expired from the sale. Of course, as we said as part of this video, it might just be a useful thought experiment. Or as Vinny Caravella says in his own Twitter, haha, no, Hola, responding to my tweet, that is definitely not the case. We weren't attached to anything like that. So why did these three individuals at Giant Bomb leave all at the same time at the start of May? Could be for a number of reasons, but formally, Mr. Caravella says there was no retention bonus. There was no term associated with the Red Venture sale. So we'll just have to see how this plays out and wish the folks at Giant Bombs remaining and leaving all the best. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy talking about the business and law of things like video games, please consider supporting the channel. We've got a Patreon, Streamlabs, a store with shirts and mugs, and most importantly of all, just consider subscribing, ringing the bell, hitting up votes or down votes if you disagree with me. Although if you do, please leave a comment because I love to have the discussion about why you disagree with me. Always a great idea in this space because reasonable minds can differ and I don't claim that I'm right on everything and I love to have those conversations with new subscribers, old subscribers, and everybody in between, those medium length subscribers. Also tell your friends, everything you can do to help Google and the YouTube algorithm know that we're here is very, very helpful. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Thank you.